0: Let us pray. Living God, help us to so hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. The former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth I tell you of them the word of the lord be to
1: God. our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 Suddenly, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. May God bless the reading and hearing of this holy word. So, my given name is Kimberly Jean. Most of you all probably didn't know that. Uh, Most of us don't go by our middle names anymore. Now, I was supposed to be Kimberly Sue, but about six weeks before I was born, the couple living in the apartment down the hall from my parents had a daughter, and they named her Kimberly Sue, and my parents decided that maybe they shouldn't use exactly the same name. So I became Kimberly Jean, and while I was disappointed about that at times as a child, I think I've grown into the name uh, now. We do think a lot about the names we give our children, don't we? Uh, we? We, Tony and I, wrestled with a number of names for our sons and came up with a family name and a, a biblical name for each of them. And even if a child is being named after a parent or grandparent, even as Catherine is, you have to make a decision. Then, are you both Catherine? Or is one Catherine and one Kennedy? Do you have James and James and James? Or do you have James and Jim and Jimmy? Or do you have Jim and and Junior and Trip? What are you going to do? And I'm terrible, I'm sorry, at remembering names, although I work at it. But I do work at it because I know that we are, as human beings, people who love to hear our own names. And you may have noticed this with your own children or with your mother. You're more likely to listen when your name gets called, even if sometimes it's Kimberly Jean. Uh, But even when it is said in love, it gets our attention at significant life events, we find it important to use someone's full name. This morning, as we baptized Kennedy, we baptized her Catherine Kennedy. We used Kennedy in the, in the prayers as the name she will be known by, but when it comes to the actual baptism, we use the full name, the name that says who they are. When I officiate at a wedding, while I may use nicknames or called names in a sermon, when vows are made... The couple uses one another's full name as they commit to each other for life. There's something special about that moment when each partner looks at the other and speaks their name, making promises and laying claim to each other's lives. And so naming is part of what we do here at the font. But Jesus... Didn't need to be named. He was an adult. As a matter of fact, John kind of has it right, doesn't he? When he says, really, you're coming to me to be baptized? Why would Jesus need to be baptized? I mean, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and changing of life to reflect the way God wants us to live. But Jesus was sinless. Didn't need to repent of anything. Why would Jesus need to be baptized? But he tells John to do it for all righteousness, and Jesus gets baptized anyway, even though he has not sinned, and he is the one who will bring about a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire through God. So this story in Matthew isn't about Jesus' need to repent Yet his baptism is still at least partly about identity, about naming. For in his baptism, God speaks This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. God names Jesus, my son, beloved. In this moment of Jesus' life, God is proclaiming love and joy in naming this son, in calling this son. In the same way, baptism teaches us who we are, God's beloved children, and confers upon us the promise of God's unconditional love. In a time in which so many of the ways we identify who we are have become unstable, Changing jobs and careers with frequency, most of us have multiple residences rather than growing up and living in one city all our lives. And fewer families remain intact the way they once did. We resist others' methods for labeling us, yet we find ourselves with a desire to define just who we are. Baptism reminds us that we discover who we are in relation to whose We are, God's beloved children. We belong to God's family, and baptism is the outward, tangible sign of that belonging. This is one of the reasons that we baptize infants. It really isn't about needing to remove sin from a baby because even with the concept of the passing down of original sin, seriously, who believes that Kennedy has ever done anything That needs forgiven. For the baptism does not make us finished with becoming Christians. Even if we think of baptism as a washing away of original sin, I doubt that any of you have ever met a person, an adult or young person, who was baptized and immediately became a person who is perfect and never made a wrong choice again. I haven't met any, particularly not the person I see in my mirror every morning. So if baptism isn't about getting something accomplished or just going through a ritual for the sake of the ritual, you know, the family in good form and all that, if it isn't about making sure that the baby isn't going to hell, then why bother? What's the point? The point is to be found in Jesus' baptism. If Jesus' baptism wasn't really about repentance and forgiveness, what was his baptism about? And the simplest answer is that the baptism of Jesus was about the beginning of his life in ministry. The term used to explain this baptism of John's is metanoia, which can mean repentance, but more literally means turning, it's used in the story of the prodigal son to indicate that the son decided to turn his life, to turn around and go another way, that is, back to his home, to his father. In Jesus' case, this is a turning, but a turning of his life onto the path of his active adult ministry. And his baptism is the first step on that journey After the baptism, Jesus heads out into the wilderness to prepare for his ministry and be tempted. The act of baptism is not an act of completion, then. It is the act of beginning. It is a preparation for the life that follows. In Jesus' baptism, Jesus is named by God His identity is made clear, at least to Jesus himself. In Matthew's gospel, it's not clear that anyone other than Jesus hears God's voice. As a matter of fact, in none of the gospels are we sure of that. But it doesn't really matter because in that moment, in that baptism, Jesus is the one who most needs to set out with that knowledge of who he is and what path he is going down. But in our baptism... For each of us, God names us, Kennedy, Susan, Trish, John, Ruth, Doug, Elizabeth, Chris, and gives us not only those given names that we carry around with us, but labels us son and daughter and beloved. For in our baptism, we take on an additional name, that of Christian, that of chosen, and maybe the word that I like the best that God calls us, mine. For just as God says to Jesus, you are my son. In Isaiah, we are also reminded that God calls us that as well. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people A light to the nations. And elsewhere in Isaiah we read, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. In baptism we acknowledge this claim made by God on our lives, this understanding that God calls us by name, and that the words that the Creator uses to describe us are beloved, and son, and daughter, and mine. Just as in the beginning when Genesis tells us that God called out the name light and said, let it be. Then called out each part of creation into being. And into each day of creation, God called it good. And on the sixth day when human beings were created, God said, very good. From the beginning of time, the creator named and claimed us, human beings, to be very good good and still today the creator says to us i claim you and i call you beloved The Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus Christ in his baptism, and it is the same spirit that baptizes us. David Lowe's reminds us that baptism then is holy God's work, that we may have confidence that no matter how often we fall short or fail, nothing we do or fail to do can remove the identity that God conveys as a gift. Our relationship with God, that is the one relationship in life that we can't screw up, precisely because we didn't establish it. We can neglect it, we can deny it, we can try to run away from it, we can ignore it, but we cannot destroy it. For God loves us too deeply and completely to ever let us go. It is interesting to note that even when we disagree on when or how we administer the sacrament of baptism, all Christian traditions emphasize that this is not our work, it is God's work. And baptism is the specific work of the Holy Spirit. In our Presbyterian tradition, as in many other churches, this is one of the reasons we don't re-baptize people. Baptism is the work of the Holy Spirit, and because of that, because we don't do anything to earn the love of God and that sign and symbol of belonging to God, then there is no way that we can lose that salvation of which baptism is sign and symbol. God doesn't make mistakes, and the Holy Spirit doesn't need to baptize us again. Still, even in this understanding, there are times in our lives in which we want to be reminded that we are claimed by God. There are times in which we want to renew our commitment to this God who calls us by name, who calls us beloved, who says to each of us, You are mine. Sometimes in our communion liturgy or other times, we say, Remember your baptism and be thankful. Now, the truth is that many, if not most of us, cannot possibly remember our baptisms, just as Kennedy will probably not remember hers, because we're far too young. But we can remember the baptisms we have participated in. You can remember this one today and all of those that happen in the life of this church. You can remember Jesus' baptism and the claims God made We can remember what baptism means. And into this remembering, we can place the knowledge that we, too, are claimed and loved by God. In the end, the baptism of Jesus was a sign of a new direction in his ministry. For us today, it is also about God. And about God demonstrating to us what kind of God we worship and follow are claimed and loved by. So today, remember your baptism. Remember that you are claimed. You are called beloved. And be thankful. Amen.